Well, good afternoon, and if you're a visitor here, I want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, if your family member brought you and you chose to be with us here this afternoon to celebrate Christmas Eve, then I want to tell you how grateful I am for that. My name is Christian, and as a church, Renaissance in this season has been very simply looking at the story of Christmas and trying to understand what it teaches us about what God is like. And we're going to do that tonight for one last time. And very simply, I'll tell you right now what we're going to see. We're going to see two things. First, we're going to see what this birth of Jesus really meant. What was it? What happened when he was born? And then secondly, we'll see who it's for. Uh, the angel will say, and we've heard it read once, but we'll talk about it, that when Jesus was born, it was good news of great joy for all people. And that means everyone. And I hope to show you that tonight. And I hope to show it to you because not everyone, well, not everyone believes that. Uh, a few years back, I had a, a phone call from one of my very closest friends. His daughter was five years old at the time, and she had started to ask questions about Jesus. It was around Christmas time, and she was fascinated with the story of the baby in the manger. And her dad told her, Samantha, that child there, that was God. Uh, at Christmas, we believe that God was born, and he came like that as a baby to save us and to love us. She was so taken with the story. She asked him one evening when he was tucking her into bed, she said, Dad, how can I be with Jesus forever? And he told her, you just need to pray and ask him to come into your heart. He called me the next day to tell me how joyful he was that he got to listen to his daughter when she was five, pray and ask Jesus to come into her heart. I was very happy for him, but he was concerned. And he told me very simply, he said, Christian, it's good, but, but something at dinner tonight, it, it's made me very concerned. I said, well, what happened? Uh, he had let her pray that night. You know, they were the family that says grace every night before dinner. And since she had had this prayer that afternoon, he said, why don't you pray, Samantha, before we have dinner? And so she did. She said, God, I thank you for my mom and dad. And I thank you that you're in my heart. And I thank you that you love all people except for the ones who smoke cigarettes. Amen. <laughs> already, already her little heart had started to draw lines around who God is for and not. And some people think God is only for people like me. Jesus is just for people like me. There are people who think that. And then there are others who think quite the opposite, who would say, even if God is real, and if Jesus did come, well, one thing I know, he's surely not for people like me. You know, there are people in a room like this who, well, who, who believe both things. And what I want you to see when we look at the Christmas story is very simply that the story at Christmas says both of those people are wrong. It says very simply that Jesus is for all people. He's for absolutely everyone. And the way we're going to see that is by narrowing our attention in to the scene that was just read the moment when the angels appeared to the shepherds outside of the city of Bethlehem to give them the news. Before we look at it, I want you to try to use your imagination. Uh, wherever you are in faith, whether you've believed for a long time or you're not sure, would you do this? Would you picture yourself there that evening? Uh, it's nighttime. The stars are brilliant overhead. The small uh, city of Bethlehem is a bit there in the distance below us in the hills. Jerusalem, the city where the temple is, where the religious people are, that's six miles to the north. We're far away from there. We're out in the sticks. 
And there on the hills around us are the shepherds. These are herdsmen who've been uh, moving their flock from place to place for thousands of years. Men have made a living like this. We're there with them out in the sticks. When all of a sudden the night sky is, is just torn by a brilliant light. And it's, it's apparent to us all of a sudden that there is a messenger from heaven who's right there before us. And all of us, we are terrified. It is a very horrifying experience for us. We cower in fright when the voice of the angel speaks out of that brilliant light and says, do not be afraid. And there's a part of us when we hear that that doesn't want to be afraid, but wants to touch heaven as it's come down here. And then that voice goes on to say, after telling us, don't be afraid, telling us this about the birth of Jesus. Look at it up here. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Look, put this story aside for a minute. What we all need is good news. Isn't that right? And we all need joy. I know it's true of every one of you. It's what you were made for. You catch glimpses of it in life and you want it again because that's what your heart was made for. And that, that news, which is good and is joyful, well, it's for all people and we want that too, even though there's a part of us that wants to say, well, if you smoke cigarettes, nah. And listen, by the way, I've got nothing against you. There's some smokers here. You're hiding the cigarettes right now. It's okay. <laughs> the news here is that this is good news of great joy for all people. Let's take each one of those phrases one at a time. And we'll do this so that we can understand what this angel has for us this Christmas. Let's start with that phrase, good news. Here at the birth of Jesus, this heavenly messenger describes it as good news. And listen now, for the people in and around Jerusalem in this time period, for the religious folks and the shepherds, this phrase, good news, would strike two chords, and we must understand both of them if we will hear what the angel is saying. One of the chords is religious, and the other chord is political. Let's start with the religious chord, good news. For generations, the people in and around Jerusalem had hoped that one day God would send a deliverer to make their lives good again. Oh, they'd lived for, for centuries even, wondering when the day would come when God's anointed deliverer would finally come and save them. And they hoped for this because their prophets had written about it. They had made promises to God's people that one day, one day there will be a deliverer who comes and shines a light in the darkness. A liberator will come and he'll break the chains that hold you uh, in bondage. He'll come and he'll open the prison doors. He'll give sight to blind eyes. He'll make it so the lame can walk. One day that will happen. And each time, each time the prophets talked about this future deliverer, guess which phrase they used to describe it? Good news. And so when the angel says on that starry night, good news in reference to Jesus' birth, there's a religious chord that is struck, the religious hope that says one day maybe God will deliver us. The angel is saying, open your eyes, deliverance has come. That's the religious chord. Now, you must set beside that the political chord because there's that too. In the first century, when the phrase good news appears in a birth announcement, it says something very specific to all of the people who live in what at that time was the Roman Empire. I want you to look up here at this quote. The birth of the God is the beginning of the good news for the world. 
That sounds like something that would be written about Jesus in the Bible, right? It's actually not written about him. This is a quote that was found carved in stone in the ancient city of Prien in Asia Minor, what we call Turkey today. This was actually carved before Jesus was born about this guy right here. Does anybody know who that is? Paul Madsen? <laughs> nah, that's Caesar Augustus. Before Jesus was born, this guy's birth was announced to the Roman Empire as good news for all the world. His statue here shows an awful lot. You can actually go see this statue. It's in the Vatican in Rome. But you notice he has no shoes on. At this time, only the gods were depicted without shoes. And that little figure off on the right side of his leg there, that's Cupid riding a dolphin. It's a nod toward his supposed divine ancestry. The, the cloth that's wrapped around his waist and over his arm, that's the commander's cloth. It's, it's only worn by the man who commands the might and power of all of the soldiers of the Roman Empire. His arm is raised in the rhetorical position that would be used to address the troops. And if you could see it on his breastplate, there are figures carved of all of the people that he had conquered. When this man was born, the announcement went out all over the entire empire with the words, Good news. That's the political chord that would have been struck by the angel. Come back with me now to the hill there outside of Bethlehem and look again at what the angel says when Jesus is born. I'm bringing you good news. The angel's saying two things. That Jesus, this baby born here, he is good news because he's the deliverer that our prophets told us to wait and hope for. And not only that, but also this baby in the manger is the true king of the world. It's not the man who rules with might and power in Rome who's in charge. It's actually the humble and gentle and kind child born in the manger. The one who does not wear the robe of the military commander, but who's wrapped in rags. That is the true king. The angel is saying, in effect, good news. Your deliverer and the true king has come. Now with those two chords struck, look at the next thing that the angel says. This good news is news of great joy. Now listen, I set the story aside for a moment and I'll say it again. What you were made for, every one of you, is to be a person of joy. You know how many of us are chasing after happiness and how elusive it is? You have it in your mind that if I get this thing, it will make me happy and you get it and you're, you're in the same place two days later. Or this relationship or this change, you get this job or meet this new person, it never works. But joy, that is a deeper thing than happiness. It's the kind of gladness that transcends your conditions. Whatever is happening out in the world, it's the kind of well-being that's like an underground stream of water providing nourishment for your soul to grow. Joy, that's what you're made for. And, and on that evening, the angel says that this is great joy because of what Jesus is like. Now follow me here. If he's the deliverer and the true king, this is news that is joyful because, well, because in one sense, Jesus is exactly the opposite from the emperor. Now think of this. The emperor rules from far away in Rome with the threat of violence. Jesus will grow up to rule inside of men and women's hearts. And the power that he'll rule with is love. The emperor is harsh 
and demanding and violent and cruel. Jesus is gentle and patient. He is a teacher who abides with his students and guides them on the way of life with them. He's kind and he's right there. The emperor punishes his enemies swiftly. Jesus will grow up to die for his enemies. And what Jesus seeks as he comes, not only in this baby, but as he grows, is he seeks to rule and reign on the hearts of men and women who will open themselves up to him and then receive the true joy that comes only when you yield yourself to this king who is the king of love. Joy, because when a a man or a woman or even a child says, Jesus, you're my king, that person is totally free. Do some of you know what I mean? Yes. The kind of joy that comes when you're delivered from loneliness and God puts you together with other people who know just who you are and accept you for who you are and love you. The joy that comes when Jesus says to you, I am the king who knows everything that's behind you and I choose to forgive you. I said it in the past and I open before you a brand new day. A joy that comes when you don't know where to go in life because you're lost, but Jesus comes like a shepherd and says, if you give me your heart, I will guide you step after step onto the way of true life and you will thrive. Do some of you know this joy from experience? Listen, I'm gonna tell you this. If a person receives this true king, Jesus, and accepts his authority of love and then takes it to heart, what happens is that person becomes so joyful that the people around them can see it and they know something is different. Have you ever seen that with your own two eyes? I can't tell if you have. That person has. Are you awake? Yes? Yes. Thank you. Let me tell you this. Listen, Even when life is very hard, the joy of having Jesus rule in your heart is magnificent. Last week, I stood right up here on Sunday, and I told this gathering about the hardest time in my life. In 2000, I had a terrible year, and I talked about how hard it was for me because of what I was facing. That Christmas, I got a phone call from a dear friend, and some of you have met this guy. He was here and preached, my friend Vito. Guess where Vito lives? If you don't even know, you're like, oh, obviously he lives in New York City. Exactly. Vito and his, his wife, Monique, called me that Christmas. They said, Christian, because they knew I was alone. They said, why don't you come and spend Christmas with us and come into the city? And I came in on a Sunday morning to go to church with them. And the pastor that morning talked about this story of Christmas. And I sat out there where you are, and I had all of my grief in my life as I listened, but then I also knew it's true Jesus has delivered this guy. And I had everything in my own life, all of my own regrets and failures. I had all of my own worries about the future and all of my own uncertainty as he spoke. But deep inside, I knew, yes, Jesus has come and he's for me. And he has come to rule and reign in my heart and guide me into true life. I started feeling really joyful while I was sitting out there. When I feel joyful, I cry. Snot was running all down. She wiped, my, my friend's uh, wife wiped my nose for me. We went out afterward and I started to feel really glad. If you know me personally, when I start to feel really happy, sometimes I try to dance and I cannot dance. But I was walking through the village like this. I was just feeling it. And we made our way after lunch to this shop in the village called Urban Outfitters. Does some of you know about Urban Outfitters? It's all over. You know about that place? 
It's a rule that if you want to work there on the application, you have to promise that you never smile, that you're melancholy, you're dour, you're a hipster, and you are like completely into irony. Like that's the rule. And so here I am in Urban Outfitters. I'm trying to make my friends laugh because I'm just feeling so joyful. And I'm dancing around and I'm being a, like this. And, and I'm over by the jeans, just totally feeling it. And this guy who works there comes over to me. He's like, hey, uh, can I help you? And, and I, I kind of look at him and I'm like, no, man, I don't need anything. I'm good. And you know, I said that. I tell you why I said that. I said it because I had the joy in my heart in that moment of actually believing this story. Actually trusting that no matter what happens in the world around, that God is good and that the story of Christmas is true, that God in Christ, that he's come and it's good news and he's come to rescue people like me and I'm feeling that while I'm standing beside the jeans and I look at the guy and I say, I'm good and he, he, he steps back and he says, come here for a minute and I walk over and he says, what are you on and where can I get some? <laughs> and he was not joking, he was completely serious and I said to him, I, I'm not on drugs, I have Jesus in my heart and, and he was like, okay. <laughs> It raises the question, who is this for? Like, who is this good news for? Is it for, is it for people who smoke cigarettes or not? Is this good news for people who have misbehaved more than they've been good? Is it good news for the bully or the mean person or the person who has the wrong morals or the wrong theological ideas? Is it, is it for the person who doesn't want anything to do with God? Is this good news actually for the person who's not sure they believe and who would never come to church and wants to stay far away? Is it for them? What about the man who's not kept his promises or the woman who's hurt her family or the person who looks at their life and says, if you put the good on one side and the bad on the other and the bad is so much heavier, is it good news for that person? Uh, listen, I know that there are some who think, well, it's only good for me, but trust me, there are lots of people in a room this size, there are a few who would think, you know, even if it's true, it can't possibly be good for me because I'm not the kind of person that God would want. Do you know that people think that? Uh, maybe there's a part of some of us even who believe that thinks that. I had a friend whose grandmother three years ago was terribly sick. She had been dealing with heart conditions for, for a long time and right around Christmas time, the phone call came to my friend and her family. Grandma is, is about to, this is it. This is the end for her. If you want to talk and say goodbye, come to the hospital. Uh, my friend arrived as quickly as she could. When she got there, her aunt was coming out of the room crying and she just told her, I'm sorry, you're too late. And that was sad, but it was not as sad as what her grandmother had said before she died. Her aunt was there beside her mother's bed and said, Mom, it's okay. And she said that because her mom looked scared. No, I'm scared, she said. No, Mom, it's okay. The pain will be gone soon. She said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm scared. Mom, everything's gonna be okay. You'll be with God soon. And then her mom said, that's what I'm scared of. I don't think he wants me. Who is this for? Is it for people who have been good enough? Or is it, is it really for what, what the angel says here? Is it really for all the people? Look, look again. This is good news of great joy. The angel says for all the people. If we step back from the details of what's happening here and we pay attention to where and who is involved, the angel's 
words are matched by what's actually happening. This is remarkable. Think of it for a minute. The angel could have come anywhere in the world with this news first. In fact, you would expect that if this was good news only for the good people, if this were good news only for the religious people, then the angel would have arrived at the temple in Jerusalem to make the news known there first, but that's not where the angel comes. The angel misses by six miles and instead comes down into the hills where the working men are, and that's the first place where the news comes. That says this is for all people. And if that's not enough, well, the shepherds, we romanticize them on our Christmas cards and in our songs, but in their day, they were officially scoundrels, rejected socially, and religiously. They didn't have civil rights like other people did. They weren't allowed to give testimony in court. They had uh, economic sanctions against them because everyone believed they were liars. And not only were they rejected socially, but they were on a list that the rabbis made of forbidden professions so that the shepherds were not allowed to go into the temple to be amongst God's people. These guys were rejects both socially and religiously. They were the very people who if you asked them, they would have said, well, God might be real, but not for me. And probably little girls were praying, God, thank you that you love everybody, but not the shepherds. But here, the angel comes to them with these words, that this is good news of great joy for all the people. And that means you too. And it tells us this, that there is no one at all who is excluded from the gift of this deliverer who is the true king. And so what should we do? Well, listen, I want to give you this for Christmas. I want to give a challenge to two groups, okay? One, to everyone here who's inclined to think that God is only for me. I want to give a challenge to you. And then also to everyone here who, like my friend's grandmother, is inclined to think, well, God can't possibly be for me. Let's start with those who are like my friend's daughter, who are inclined to think that God is just for us. Let me give us this challenge. And I include me in this because I believe that God loves me. But this is what I need to hear. The challenge is this. We must diligently avoid the mistake of ever believing that God is only for us and not for the people around us. I'll tell you when you can try this out. Are you ready? Later tonight at Christmas dinner, there's going to be one person nearby, uh, or Christmas Eve dinner, one person nearby, you're going to think, well, God can't possibly love that person. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, my, maybe they're with you. Listen, <laughs> my challenge to you is to believe and then embody the truth that God's good news of great joy is for them. Love them, even if they don't deserve it. And I say this to us as a church, to those of us who are part of Renaissance Church, for us, my challenge is that we as a church would always be the kind of community that would have our eyes turned out toward the hills where there are people who would be likely to think, well, God can't possibly love me. And then in our life together as a church, let's be focused on bringing the good news there. Okay, that's my challenge to us. And now to those of us who are gathered here, and to be honest, every one of us might have this in us a little bit, who are inclined to think, well, if God really is true and he came, he wouldn't want me. What I have for you is an excerpt from the letter which my friend read at her grandmother's funeral. Not having been there to say what she would have said to her grandmother, she wrote this and I share it with you. Dear Grandma Iris, and you fill in your name there. I wasn't there when you talked with my aunt about heaven. I wasn't there when you said you were afraid that God might not want you. I wish I was there. If I were there, I would have told you that there is nothing in this world I am more sure of than that God wants you. 
Not because you are good, not because you are beautiful, not because of the clothes you wear or the money you have. God wants you because he loves you. He loves you with a love that no one else can match. Romans 8.38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, nothing at all in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To you I would say, God wants everyone Open your heart to him. Let him come and reign and rule on the throne of your heart and then be free. Then accept all of the joy that comes with this gracious and loving and humble king. If you have in the past, you, if, if in the past you've come to faith and trusted him, well then at Christmas again, do that yet again. Say the prayer that my friend's daughter said. Oh God, come into my heart and, and, and have my life completely. Rule and reign within me. And then, and then lastly, then be ready to look at the world around you and to embody the truth that this good news of great joy is for everyone. Let's pray. God, I ask that all of us who are here together and who are actively trusting you and seeking to follow you in our lives, I ask that each one of us would embody this truth that your love and grace is for all people. God, give us a renewed sense of purpose and joy in this mission that we could be your instruments of grace in the world around us. God, we know the world needs it and we ask that you help us be your instruments of love and peace, kindness and gentleness and joy. Help us share your good news with the people around us. And then God, for each person who's here this afternoon, who's inclined to believe that maybe God isn't for them, who has doubted the possibility that you could come and love them as they are. God, in each one of these people's hearts, I ask that your spirit would move and that this Christmas they'd begin to be open to your gracious authority and that they would have the true joy that comes from knowing that you are the deliverer and the true king. God, we thank you for this evening and for this wonderful season. God, I pray that you bless each one of us in our own way. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.